ഹലോ ദിസ് ഇസ് എസ് ടി ഹോട്സൺ മാജിക് വെൽക്കം ടു മൈ ടൈൽസ് ഓഫ് ദ ന്യൂ വേൾഡ് This is episode 2 and it's all about what happens at harvest time in the land of summer. If you've never heard of the new world before, have a listen to my other stories and you can find out all about it. Now before we begin, let's get comfortable. Settle down comfortably in your chair or perhaps in your bed. Take a deep breath in through your nose. That's it. Then let it out on a long sigh. Sink deep into the support beneath you and watch as it transforms into a vessel, one that will carry you through time and space to the new world. Today's story is set in the land of summer, high upon Whetstone Ridge, where the Ginwats, those tiny winged folk, a little bit like bees but with furry arms and happy faces, were very busy making their latest batch of hard mountain syrup. Making syrup is what Ginwats do best, even in the hottest sun. For the land of summer does get very hot at times, but the Ginwats are always fine because they have thick scratchy fur which protects them. It is the shade of softest lilac, and that means they can blend into the cool mountain heather whenever they are at work. Everyone who hails from the land of summer loves it here. But those folk from the land of winter hate it. They say the land of summer is much too sunny. Those folk from the land of autumn meanwhile find it much too dusty, and the folk from the land of spring can't wait to get back to their rainy showers whenever they find themselves unlucky enough to be there, for they consider the land of summer much too dry. It was early morning and the Ginwats' tiny wings were buzzing backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards in the shade of the long mountain ridge. They were collecting all the mountain nectar, ready to convert it into hard mountain syrup. As I'm sure you know, the sweetest nectar comes from ripe flowering plants and the carpet of lilac heather was now in full bloom. It was indeed a very busy time for the Ginwats because harvest was coming and syrup cakes were in huge demand. Everybody from the land of summer loves syrup cake and they rely upon it to keep them well during harvest for it contains magical ingredients which give them the energy to carry all their tasks out without getting tired at such a busy time. but there is someone who loves that syrup cake more than anybody else and his name is the sharp-toothed bunyip 
Do you remember hearing about him last time? He's the master of the land of summer and has a very sweet tooth. But being a master, he has to live in the new world meadow with the others. Although he never fails to make it back home when there's syrup on offer. And so it happened on this fine day, when the sun was at its highest and the air was at its hottest, that Jeremiah, for that's the bunyip's name, took it upon himself to leave the new old meadow, go down into the tunnels beneath, and travel all the way on foot, back to the land of summer. Which was quite some feat, as Jeremiah does not have wings like the other masters, although he takes very large steps, so I suppose that makes up for it. He was most careful to get the wise one's approval, of course, before even thinking about leaving. As being a master, Jeremiah has responsibility for the safety of the new world at all times. Do you remember what I said about the wise one last time? He has a funny name, doesn't he? His name is the Usama Goose. The Usama what? The Usama Goose, remember? He's not really a person at all, or one of the new old folk as we know them. But he is very important, because he guides the masters and shows them the way. And of course he possesses more power in one wing than they all do together. Even though he's really quite small. Anyway, the Usama Goose had given permission, as it is very important for each master to feast at the table of their own land at least once a year, in order to remain fighting fit. And so it was that Jeremiah reached the land of summer in record time and greeted the Gimwats heartily as they presented him with a delicious syrup cake. This being most mighty kind, he declared, his mouth full. And I'm certain this being the best syrup cake I ever be lucky enough to be tasting, he beamed. You say that every harvest, the Ginwats joked. And all was smiles and laughter and much celebration, until out of the blue, what must have been the smallest Ginwat of them all, buzzed in at top speed to where they sat in the shade of Whetstone Ridge. The tree dweller, he's back! he announced, and he's causing real mischief again, even when he promised faithfully he wouldn't. What? snapped Jeremiah, now on full alert. What trouble that fool be getting himself into now? We have to store the syrup in the cool so it doesn't melt, the smallest skinwatch reminded him. But the tree dweller refuses to let us use the shady ferns, as he says it's his time to be visiting. He said we have to find somewhere else. Jeremiah was far from impressed with this. That tree dweller can dwell any place. Such distant farland folk wish to commit to nothing. They want all the freedom to move from place to place as they see fit, but that still ain't enough. He'll just have to move along and let you Ginwats do your job. Ain't everyone in the land of summer relying on that cake to see them through the next few months? No, this is far from acceptable. It ain't acceptable at all. And jumping up as blue sparks shot out from his eyes, Jeremiah left his cake behind him and approached the tall ferns bordering the wet stone ridge.
I hear you've been a-travelling. His deep voice made the tree-dweller jump out of his skin. But it seems you've got the wrong idea about this place, and you'd be disturbing my feasting in the process. The master of summer had hoped his presence would be enough to challenge the tree-dweller's stubbornness. But it seemed it was to take much more than that, as the tree-dweller had gotten himself most comfortable and was not about to give up that easily. Peeping through the cluster of thick green leaves, he stared at the bunyip. So what if Jeremiah was the master of summer? What did he care? The new world was a free place, and he hailed from no land whatsoever, so he could just settle wherever he liked. Jeremiah stared back. His golden pocket watch in his three-piece suit was starting to glow. There was trouble ahead if he was not mistaken. Just look at you. The knees of your breeches have been patched more than once. The nails of your large clues grown to such an extent they'd be protruding out the holes of your thick hessian socks. Ain't it time you gave some mind to settling down some? Always looking in and never taking part. There's got to be more to you than just dwelling in trees. The tree-dweller smiled at this, exposing his crooked set of dark, dirty teeth. The skin around his eyes, meanwhile, remained thick and dark, as dark as his mood. The gin what's be needing these trees is be a matter of urgency now. You need to move on, Jeremiah enforced. Now just see yourself down from there. You could go settle somewhere else. There'll be plenty of other trees. Hmm, I'm not sure I can do that, spat the tree-dweller. You see, I'm comfortable here as it is. His thin, wiry, over-lengthed arms were now wrapped around and around the branches above him, and his spindly legs clung tightly to the thick, grey trunk. But you're welcome to try. Now this was a ridiculous thing for the tree-dweller to say, but pride comes before a fall, and the tree-dweller was forgetting. Jeremiah was a master of Beg-Chi now, that most powerful force of inner energy that defends, protects and shields all at once. So that is exactly what Jeremiah did. He took in a deep breath and focused on the tall tree in front of him. Then he channeled all his inner energy up through his toes, into his chest, then out through his blue eyes. The more he focused, the more alive he became. The air about him was now lit with his bright light energy, the shade of cobalt blue. And as he took one more huge deep breath in, a powerful force shot out onto the tree and shook it most vigorously. This didn't bother the tree at all, for Begji is kind to those it's defending. And as the tree-dweller dropped to the ground, the huge fern became encapsulated in a bright blue haze that danced upon every leaf and beamed out from it like a force field of protection. 
Now the tree-dweller could do nothing but slink away in terror. Jeremiah had made his point well. He had used Bekchi, and there was no challenging that. And don't you be coming back any other harvest, neither, he yelled. Unless it be to help, that is. You want to help? Of course the tree-dweller had anything but on his mind, and left without so much as a word. Then buzzing over with the next batch of hard mountain syrup, the Ginwats laughed. It was wonderful having such a hero as their master, even if it did take a huge amount of syrup to satisfy all his demands. Jeremiah, meanwhile, checked his pocket watch had stopped glowing, then settled down to his harvest feast. The land of summer could be settled once more, harvest could go ahead, and peace would reign. The end. If you enjoyed this story, Please seek out my other Tales of the New World.